0: following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com. Hey, guys. Well, it's cold outside. I'm so thankful to be here during Christmas season. I flew out from perfectly fine Los Angeles, California yesterday, and 18 hours later, I'm here. And you think that's a joke. It literally took 18 hours of travel time. It, no, it shouldn't take 18 hours. It usually would take about, oh, collectively about three and a half hours to get from. But, but because of, of weather and all this stuff like that. But the good part is that I was pretty much raised in the middle of the country. So I am very familiar with this already. So people were, people were doing the thing where, you know, I saw other people from other places stuck in. And they were like, I can't believe this. And I was like, I was, I was doing, that. you guys hey, stick around for five minutes, the weather will change, that kind of thing, you know. (laughs) Hey, I want to make mention uh, uh, about um, an exciting thing that uh, is just uh, God's allowed me to be a part of um, and bless me with. Before I uh, get into the message, but about um, two uh, going on two months ago, um, uh, about a month and a half ago, I released a book. I wrote a book and released it, and and I'm excited about it because my job was just to write the book, and um, it's, it's called Scars. And there's um, if you know me, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. I tell stories, and then at the the end of the stories, you're like, dang it, that dude preached to us. You know, that's, that's my deal. And, and and so that's kind of what I do. All, this book is literally that. Each chapter is a story about different scars, literal physical scars that I have on my body. Um, if you can tell, I have a lot of scars on there. I don't believe in tattoos, but the, I do have a lot of scars. And <laughs> And, and what, what this book is, is each, it's stories of each scar. And, then, um, and I'll tell you, it, it's not only meant to encourage the believer and, and those of us who would say we're followers of Christ. But it also was written for the believer, us, to be uh, able to use as a tool to hand to other people that are going through hard seasons. Even those that don't believe. About 70% of the people I work with don't believe in God at all in the entertainment industry. And so what this is, this is a good way to kind of introduce them to the concept of us believing. Because people aren't closed to the thought of believing in something beyond themselves. They're really not. Even if they don't believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're not a a, a lot of times closed to the concept that there's something beyond them. And so what we have to do is we have to expose them as much as possible to the good nature of our God. And the good nature is his nature is always good, but we're not always good. And so we're the reflection. And so what we want to do is expose them to that. And, And so this book is written in a way that it is a simple read. You know, that's one of the things when I... I, when I wrote this um, uh, they say that leaders are readers that's what I, I was raised in a leadership culture and that they were leaders are readers and I always felt guilty about that because I've never been a reader like never ever and I felt guilty and I was like oh, I don't want. I, start, I read the Bible and, and, and even in the Bible the most important thing I'll read in there and, and I, 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 I have to repent afterwards because I'm like God I fell asleep in the second verse I fell asleep <laughs> That can't be biblical. That can't be right. And so so finally I embraced that, yes, leaders are readers, but so are most murderers too. And so... So it doesn't necessarily define you that you're a leader. And so when I wrote this, I wrote it for people. Um, there's nuggets in there. If you are a reader, there's nuggets. If you're a spirit, if you're if you're a, someone who really gets into Bible theology and, and that kind of stuff, there's some nuggets in there that you can pull out. I, I promise you that. But also, it's written in a way that everyone else can just have an easy, fun read, and it's good. It's got a principle. But I tell you, the reason I did that is because the fivefold ministry gifts um, are, are are given to the church. That means that the people on the po- pulpit the platforms but it's given to the church to to equip the saints to work the ministry and so what I hand you what I do from the pulpit needs to be something a tool that you can use to go work ministry in your life you probably don't work at and or inside the church and so this needs to be a tool that I can hand you to work in real life and so one of the things I'm doing is um is what I like to do is, is I, I go and when I, when I speak, I always uh, try to do a jail or a juvenile detention center type thing with this. Um, uh, and, and, and I like to talk to the kids because I, I, prepare is better than the repair. And so, so what, I, what I do is I try to f- hand them a box full of for every, every inmate in there. I try to leave the books with them. And so those, those go through the donations. I'm just mentioning that because these are for sale back there today. Uh, how many want this one right here? Good. That's at least $15 I'm going to make today. So 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 here's why I say that is because um, they're 15 bucks. If you're paying with a card, it's 15.99, dollars um, And we got a little swiper thing. But if you can't pick that up. But if you want to donate toward um, a discounted price, toward boxes of books that we leave at the prisons or at jails or facilities like that, um, just, just throw it in there. The girls know what to do back there. Um, and you can just give uh, extra and beyond. And every penny of that goes toward that. And I send them off to different things. And, and, uh, and one of the benefits of this is it went to best sellers list on the first day. It hit the best Yeah. Yay! I didn't know that. I I mean, I've never even read a book, let alone write one. And so... So they called me and said, hey, you're at number 24 on the bestsellers list and number 3 on the hot new items list. Um, and so, so praise God for that. Um, so, so there it is. The book Scars is back there. That's all the commercial stuff. Uh, we will throw up a, a text I got so that way you see the importance of going to these jails. Here's a text I got from a guard. Um, I just put this together too. His name is Roman, and I didn't realize, and I just put, put him as Roman the guard, and he sounds like a Roman guard from biblical times, but he's not. That's, that's just how he is. Uh, he said, man, the boys from Elm's unit, the ones uh, we met in the camp, that refused to come. Okay, so we went into this uh, uh, the juvenile center and there was a bunch of hardcore thugs in there, you know, and they're like, you're welcome to come. And they're like, we ain't gonna... And so I went in there and messed with them a little bit because they're in jail. What are they gonna do to me? And so... So, so so, they ended up coming in, they showed up late, um, they had a riot in their dorm, but there was one boy that came to me and said, will you please let your boy Elijah know that I wasn't a part of this? I spoke for you and asked uh, him why he didn't join in, he said, uh, because Saturday I said goodbye to my dead cat, I ain't going to be the same. So, so the dead cat was a story I told about leaving your past behind and the dead things behind. Um, it's the importance of going into these places and sharing the gospel because that riot literally could have killed that young man, l- l- that happens all the time. And so, so when you do that, when you, when you finance that, you send me, and it helps me to reach those people, and it's, it's all good. So there's all the commercial stuff. Buy the book so my kids don't starve. Rock on. Here, let's do this. Let's pray. Everyone bow your head. Father God, help us. Amen. I already mentioned Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 is going to be the foundation core of the scripture reference that we're talking about today. Everything I say out of this is based out of this scripture reference. This scripture says, it says this, I'll look at the pretty screen over here. It says this, he and he himself gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ like i mentioned before here's the deal what our job is in the church what our job is is to equip you the everybody else and ourselves to work ministry outside of the church and so god's brought these fivefold, this is what we call uh, in, in, in biblical terms. Here's it's, it's the fivefold ministry gifts. That's what we, we call the fivefold ministry gifts. It's, there's five of them, and everyone that gets up from the pulpit, that kind of thing. And so, every, everything that we talk about should be something that empowers you to go work ministry. I saw something um, when I first moved uh, to the part of California that I live in, in Ventura, California. I saw something very interesting one day. I was out there on the beach because that's how life is for me. And I was out there on the beach, and, and it and 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 out of nowhere, okay, out of nowhere, this bird, this this bird, it's a seabird of some sort. I don't know the names of them, but it's a seabird because they're always by the sea. And it was flying, and then it it was hot, and, and it went, and it flew straight into the water. Have you ever seen this happen? Have you guys seen this? It was the most amazing. I thought what? that bird has just had it, like he's done. Like I don't know what he's like. I can't do it anymore. Like. like of all places for the bird to go, to, the water would be the last choice. You know, I would think, why in the world? And then he just, he disappeared in us for a while. And then he, he came up. And then I watched him for a while. And he he flew back. And he went, dived into the water. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing. Like, I'm not sure what this bird has smoked. It is California. I know stuff's legal. I thought, maybe he got a whole. I don't know what is happening with the bird. But the bird isn't thinking clearly. What I didn't know was that this bird, he, what he was doing is he was looking for fish. And he can't survive. He can't exist inside that water. He can't. Like, that's not the environment the bird is going to thrive in. It's not going to work out for the bird if he chooses to stay under that water. What he's got to do, though, in order to get fish to feed, to make a living, in, in our cases, to, to, to find... You know, it was funny when Jesus told the disciples, and they were out there fishing, and he said, hey guys, uh, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And he got them while they were fishing. They were trying to catch fish. This bird was just trying to catch some fish. And the bird, in order to catch the fish, the bird had to go into an environment that it wasn't really created to thrive in. It wasn't created to be constantly in that environment, but it could get the fish down there. The world that you live in, your workplace, your school, your job, that's not where you're meant to thrive. It's not. But it doesn't mean you're not meant to go there. See, fish represents our food. Yeah, we, it, it, the, that bird was hungry. That bird. So there's a, different, a difference in definition that, that Jesus said, I'll make you fishers. He wasn't saying, I'll make you over there, and I'm going to turn you into cannibals, and you're going to eat way better than you ever had. No, he was saying... That the importance is this, I'm going to prepare you and you're going to be able to hook the things that you never, it's going to go way beyond this. When you go to work, your purpose for being at work is is one, you're going to do a great job, you're going to shine so that way God is glorified through our works, our good works here on earth, but it, it reaches other people. And we're able to go into environments that we're not created to stay in. You know, one of the environments that I'm in uh, on a regular basis is I do comedy for. Um, I'll do. I'll be in casinos. I was in this giant casino on the border of uh, of Texas and Oklahoma, the Windstar last month. Uh, I, I was in Vegas, uh, and I do. I do casinos. Here's what I found about that: it is not a healthy environment for Elijah Tyndall to stay. It's not. It's not. It, it, it's the same thing as us blaming, you know, oh, pastor, just pray for me. You know what? I can't believe it. I struggled with alcoholism. And uh, you know what? I got me a job at the liquor store. And I... Now, I don't know what your story is, but I'm telling you that's probably going to be a problematic part of your story if that's the case. Because there may be places that we are meant, I am called, the anointing on my life, the assignment of my life is to go into very dull, dark cultures and be a light there and, and, and build a relationship, but it's not to stay there. The unique part of my call is nothing unique at all. It's all of our calls. We are created. What good is a light If it's always inside a lit house. You know what I'm saying? It's when you take it into the darkness. But here's the deal. I've seen a lot of candles in dark places that aren't lit. Oh, don't make me preach in here. (laughs) So yes, we can be believers. And we can be in environments that are dark. But it doesn't mean we're shining. So how do we go to shine? How do... How do we get lit? As the young people say. (laughs) The environment that ignites life in a Christian, in a believer, is the environment of the house of God. It's the environment of the church. Now, here's the unique part is I'm preaching to the wrong people this morning because you're here. And, and a lot of you like, yeah, we get it, church is important, that's why we got out in the blistering cold snow to come here. Don't, but, but this is for all the people who didn't come. And just in case you're in here and you're mad about being here this morning, <laughs> I can see your faces. The environment for the believer to thrive is the environment of the house of God. Why is that? Now, am I saying this? Am I saying as an essential that you have to be part of a local church in order to be saved and be a Christian? No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying that you have to be a part of a local church and engage in activity at a local church in order to go to heaven? Nay, I say unto thee. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. If you are a believer and you're engaged and part of a local healthy church, like this church, if you are that, it's going to empower you to be able to dive in to the unchurched culture that you work with, that you go to school with. It's going to empower you with certain elements that you don't know that you need until you get into that environment. It's going to expand your capacity to be able to hold your breath around certain things until you are able to come back out into where you thrive. You understand, it's not, it shouldn't be for us, it shouldn't be a, oh, I, don't, I hate going to church, I can't, I, listen, I understand that exists because it challenges our physical, we work all week, and then we get two days off, and believe me, it is hard to convince people, where I live, everyone lives by the beach, it's hard to convince people to give up their weekend, so that way they can go to church, they're like, Are you kidding me? I work all week so I can afford this place, so I can go to the beach. And you're like, yes, but the house of God. And they're like, no, the ocean of God. but, But the rest of the week when they're there in their unchurched environments, there are challenges that are posed. There are tests that are given, and perhaps we're not ready for those tests to pass them because we haven't been in the environment that makes us thrive. That bird, his, his intention was not to stay under the water. As a matter of fact, it was the gift that he got from flying. The ability to fly high excelled him. It, um, it, it was the gift released in the environment that propelled and excelled his ability to go into, at a deeper level, the, un, the, 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 the other environment and seek out the fish Seek out. You will shine among the darkness. You'll shine outside of your environment. The more you spend time in your environment, you will. You will. Um, there was a. Uh, there was a. A fish that my friend Joseph had. My friend Joseph. He. Uh, he had this fish tank, and this fish that he got. I don't even know. I don't know what kind it was. It was a creepy looking thing, and. And it was always, it was just enamored. It was enamored. Every time you'd walk in the room, it was just, it was, it like poke its boom. You know, you, you ever hear a fish, like, hit it, hit the thing, hit it, boom, like that, in uh, uh, the queer. And, and I was like, man, this fish is crazy. So you'd walk over here, and that fish would chase you over here. That fish would position itself to watch the TV. It was so enamored by what was happening outside of the fish tank that Joseph said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy some to buy some other fish for it to congregate. So he did the study on there and so he placed some other fish inside the aquarium and, and it would ignore those other fish. It didn't want any part of those other fish and, and then finally what it did, Joseph came home from work one day and Joseph found, we, I was actually with him when it happened, Joseph found on the carpet outside of the aquarium the dead fish. Yeah. The fish jumped out of the aquarium. He was, he was so enamored with not being in the environment that would give him life. And so obsessed with what was going on outside. And I'm not saying this is anything like us. But I'm not saying it's not. We get so enamored with what's going on out there sometimes. That we, we forget that if we, if we remove ourselves from where the environment and the, the atmosphere that gives us life we will find ourselves dead on the carpet. Now, here's the thing, it's still a fish, still a fish. Well, brother, you can't tell me I'm not a Christian if I don't go to church. You're right. You're just a Christian that's gonna die out there on the carpet. Why? Because you're not being surrounded with the nurturing, life-giving oxygen that allows you to thrive. This series is called Essentials. And one one of the things I want to do today is just lay down the foundation that it is an essential for the believer to be in the environment of the house of God. It really is. What is, what is it about us that it, we want, we, we are fascinated and we so want to... Um, to break rules. It started with Adam and Eve. We, we want to, when we hear things like that, it just rubs up. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me. That kind of thing. There's a, I remember the frog. I was mowing my sister's lawn one day and as I was mowing the lawn. I went through this once it was a tall lawn and, and uh, she hired me to, 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 to mow it, but she didn't pay me a lot because I'm, I'm half Mexican. And <laughs> and she's half white. So, um, no, So I was doing the lawnmower backwards because every, everyone who knows if you've mowed real tall grass, if you go backwards to the first round, you know, it lays the grass down, it gets a little, and then you can go, and so I'm, I'm going backwards, going backwards, and I see this frog, the frog's out there, and so I'm like, uh-oh, that frog's gonna get chopped up. That's what's gonna happen with this frog. And so I'd see that frog, and what he would do is is he would he would hide himself, he'd position himself in that tall grass, and I'd see him, and I'd go, okay, and I'd <laughs> <once>, kick him, <laughs> and he, he'd land out there on the strip that I just mowed, okay? And so I, I, having more understanding, having a bigger understanding, I, the one in control of the lawnmower, I, the one that have all control in this yard, as far as the eye can see, wherever the shadows don't touch, this is the lawn. And I'm, I'm do, and, and what the frog does, every single time I kick him, or kick him back out like that. And by the time I get to the, he is positioned himself from there where he feels vulnerable. Where he feels like I'm not I'm not comfortable out here in the I'm comfortable among all this stuff. Every time he sneaks back and I, I kick him back out. And the frog's getting angry at me because I keep trying to put him in an environment that's going to keep him safe. Now he sees the environment as something that makes him vulnerable because he can't hide anymore. But I have a greater understanding that if he continues to hide among this atmosphere, among this, t- then the lawnmower cometh <laughs> i understand that cuz i see things from a greater higher perspective than the frog sees it why are we like frogs that constantly try to jump into the wrong environments Every time we're nudged to be connected, every time we're nudged to plug in, every time we're nudged to be engaged, it rubs us the wrong way. And we say, no, you know what? I'm going back over here because I can just blend in in this element. And then God comes back along and sends some goofy-haired preacher from Los Angeles and poof, kicks you out there. <laughs> and you're like, don't be kicking me. I'll come back over. And, we, and we, we do this over and over and over until that last strip of grass And I was looking all over for him. I was like, ah, I can't find him. Hopefully he's went to the next yard. That was my hope. My hope was that he found another environment... My hope is that he's, you know, if I don't see you at this church, hopefully you're going somewhere else to another healthy church. That's our hope for people is that they're not just, they're not just hiding among the world. They're not just, they didn't just blend in with the, under, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Hopefully, you know, that's our prayers. And, and so, so but, but too often times we kind of know that uh, even though I don't see and, and then what happened? There was frog juice everywhere got mowed over why is it that we and at that point that's when we're like God why did you let these things happen to me and God's like I've been kicking you back out there I've sent person after person message after message thing after thing to kick you back out to where it's going to be safe and we're consumed with don't tell me what to do mmm Once again, not you, but for sure the person sitting next to you. (laughs) So what I wanted to cover in the next just few minutes, what I wanted to cover is two results, attributes, benefits of being connected in the house of God, in the local church. When I say the house of God, we have a lot of references of the house of God. Okay, in the Bible, what that means, how that translates to us is the local church. Ask anyone that is unchurched, um, hey, how how do I see what God's kingdom looks like? How do I see what God's house looks like? What they're going to do is they're going to point you to a local church. That's just the understanding of the house of God. Now, we can say, I am, I am now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we understand that. The new covenant, we have the, the Holy Spirit resides within us, and we are now the temple. We walk around. We are the church. But there is such a benefit to being connected in a local body, and it's a biblical thing. And the reason it's a biblical thing is because it provides discipleship. It provides accountability. It provides all these things. And here are the attributes, the benefits to being part. One is the local church. It... Um, it shrinks you. It takes away from you. Let me, let, me, let me define that, because some of you are like, what? I don't want to be taken away from. I was, uh, last time I was here, about three weeks later after that, I had some alarming news. The alarming news was, well, I'll just take you to that morning. That morning started out with this statement. It said, huh, Mr. this is the guy talking to me. I didn't just get a cold huh, Mr. Tyndall, remember how we said you probably wouldn't need heart surgery? Well, we need to talk. That's how my morning was going. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. See, well, let me back up. About two months before this, I was on the road, I was living my normal life, I was keeping myself, what I felt like, healthy, I was working out, exercising on a regular basis, I was doing all that stuff, but I had this little, there's something on the inside that just didn't feel right, some kind of, mm, something, something was there, something was there, and it wasn't this huge thing, it wasn't this, they they call it a shortness of breath, but I was still in the gym, and there was, there was not, like, but every now and then, I was just, I was just, uh, something, something not right, I identified something wasn't right, and and I ignored it, because that's what we do in my family. And and I ignored it and I said, Okay, if it's still not it's, and so finally I decided about two months after that, I decided, you know what, if it's still happening after church on Sunday, I'm gonna go to the doctor. And and so I go, it was happening. I I, I, I turn myself in to the emergency room police and and, and so I, I say, I say, Hey, there's something something's going on, something's and uh, and uh, they said, oh, okay. Uh, and so they immediately take me back. And I was like, "Whoa! Oh, I've never, this is an emergency room. I've never been treated like this. You know, this is like a VIP treatment, especially in the emergency room. I was like, they must have seen me on TV. Look at it. See you suckers later in the waiting room. They take me back. And uh, you know what I liked is the initial people, they were talking about, you know, you're you're way too... You're way too young to be having any kind of thing, and you look—you look like you're in good shape, and I liked that. I liked hearing that. I was like, "Yeah, tell me more about how good shape I am." Did you nurse? Did you see this? <laughs> I like that. I like being surrounded with the flattering words. But I had to allow myself to go to a place I didn't want to go. I resisted going to the doctor. I, if, if you know anything about me, you know I hate shots. I hate needles. I know you say all oh, this, is you know, the tattoos and all that kind of stuff like that. These are all fake. Don't worry about that. <laughs> that I hate needles. Type 1 diabetic, I've, I've had thousands every since I was 4 years old. I've, I've received at least 3 shots a day. I, so I have a reason to just dislike needles. And there I was because of something going on on the inside of me, a symptom happening on the inside of me. And, and so they said, you know what, I think you're fine, you know, I think, I think you're, but let's do this. Let's hold you over for uh, a, 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 a checkup tomorrow, and you're going to stay the night at the, at the hospital. I was like, no, I live five minutes down the road, I don't want to do that. They're like, no, with your symptoms, let's just hold you over and so I did and they said the main thing is you get a lot of rest rest, relax, no stress right now, we're going to hook up this EKG thing to you and so there I am and, and so I wake up, I didn't realize that when I checked myself into the ER, it was the community hospital and I didn't know that the community hospital there in Ventura means that's where they also take the prisoners if they're suffering with sicknesses and stuff like, like me going to speak at the prisoners, fine but me waking up at 2 in the morning with a guy beside me, handcuffed and ankle cuffed to the bed and a big armed security guy over him with a bulletproof vest on Th- how can that n- not cause me more stress you know like I don't know what they think is happening at my house but it's way less stressful than this they're surrounding me they're saying oh you're, you're gonna do fine you're, you got, you're in good shape you're good. I was like, okay yeah 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 you, you know you're... and then then I go into the stress test stress test is where you get on the treadmill and it's an old school treadmill It's not like the new ones where you do, do, do. It's the old school ones where you had to push it yourself. You know what I'm talking about? Like you learned to do the MC Hammer on this. Like that, remember? It's that. They're wiring me up. They've got me all wired up because if they don't do the stress test, if, if they can't respond on there, they're going to do a chemical test. The chemical test is where they hook you up to the stuff and, 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 and they, want to re, they want to make your body do what is problematic so they can evaluate what's happening and, and give you an accurate uh, diagnosis. And so they got me hooked up, not ran yet, but they, and so what they do is they, they shoot like, I think they, 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 they shoot that stuff in your, and they go like that, and then you're addicted to crack, crack, that's it. And so... And so, so I'm ready for the stress test. And, and finally, out of this little office that I didn't even know was there, this door <laughs> swings open. And it swings open in the sky. Remember the... Um, Remember Marty, uh, I'm sorry, Doc from, from Back to the Future? You know, Marty, we got to go back. Is that, like I promise you, this doctor, he was the first cardiologist, okay? He was the first cardiologist that has been involved in this process. And, and, he, and smoke was behind him, and he and he, points out, he points at me. I'm standing, like, from here to here. And he points at me, and he says, who sent him in here? Like, and, and I was like, how, how dare he talk to me? I'm a, I'm a customer. Like, I, what if I have something wrong? I have a name, first of all. I'm not a he. You know, just just like, who sent him in here? Get their doctor on the phone. And, and he and he's I'm not putting him on the treadmill. Are they crazy? And then, like that. I was so mad. I was so mad. I was like, how dare he? Like, I didn't have my phone, but I wanted to yelp right then. I was like, Mm-mm, no, bad. I was mad because how dare he speak to me like this? He comes back out. I hear him behind his wall talking to the doctor that, that gave the order I hear him, he's cussing that doctor out. He comes back in, he goes, Listen, with every test, there's risk involved. So I'm afraid that if I put you on this treadmill to do this test, that you're going to die here today. I was once again offended. Dare he? I've been surrounded with people who've been telling me how good I'm doing in life. I've been, I, I loved it. I loved it when people were, people were saying, oh, you do so good in your diet. You don't need any adjustments. You're doing so good. I can't believe But when I was challenged with something I didn't like to hear, a reality that was very real about myself, I got very offended. If it had not been that I knew something was happening that I, I didn't completely understand, I would have left the hospital. I would have left because I was offended. Now, maybe you know somebody, it hasn't been you, but maybe you know somebody that it's all good as long as the church leaders and the people surround them with compliments and with flattery and you're doing good. But when challenge comes, when correction comes, when something happens, when something's pointed out, immediately it's like, how dare you? You I'm a man of character, I'm going to... At the end of this story, it turns out that guy, the one I was so mad at, he's the one that saved my life that day. It turns out I would have died that day had they ran that test. And my attitude about him is completely different now. You know why? Because now there's been something that happened in me that realized I, I, I have a greater understanding. Maybe when you walk through the whole process, it gives you a greater understanding. Maybe there were people in your life, church leaders in your life, pastors in your life, that maybe offended you in some way, but it it wasn't because of their moral character failure, but it was because of something they were pointing out, a failure in your character, that needed to be addressed. Maybe a heart issue that needed to be addressed. Just maybe. And we get offended at that. He said, listen, has anyone talked to you about angioplasty? I didn't know what that word was. I just know it's been associated with some very negative things. And so I was like, no. And they and said, he said, an angioplasty is where we go in and we look at what's going on. And so, so we scheduled the angioplasty. I, I go in. They said, okay, Mr. Tyndall, this is the other doctor. Mr. Tyndall, one of three things are going to happen today. One, we're going to get in there. We're going to find that everything's fine. Nothing problem. Bada bing, bada bang, you go back home. Two, we're going to find a little blockage. We go in there with a stent while we're in there, open it up, bada bing, bada bang, you go back home. Or three, and in your case, it's probably not this, but three, we can't get to it and you're going to need heart surgery. But once again, that's probably not it. So they go in with, is in my leg, and they go in with this creeping uh, little camera thing, and, and I can see it on the thing, we're watching it together, and they're walking, they're going around, and I'm like, take a left, take a left, and he's like, no, no, we're going right. I was like, oh, you never listen, and, and, and then he stops, and then does this like screenshot type thing, and, and everyone gets quiet in the room, surrounded by the specialists. Everyone gets quiet, and they say, oh, Mr. Tyndall, Remember how we said you probably wouldn't need heart surgery? Well, we need to talk. Turns out what they had to do, they had to do a quadruple bypass. I was at 98% blockage. 98. I was running off 2%. The other was like, "Mm, mm," like that. What they had to do is they had to cut out two main big artery things. I'm still not a cardiologist, but they had to to cut it out, and it had to be replaced. They had to remove something. They had to make me smaller in order for my life to start flowing again. There was something because they had the ability, they had the know-how, they had the training, there was insight that they had that they could find blockage that had happened over time in my heart. And it, if it wasn't removed, it was going to kill me. What the local church does is it helps us to find the things that need to be removed, that are blocking us. It's blocking the flow. And we can't flow like we need to. We can't flow like we were supposed to. Why? Because there's blockage in our hearts. And the local church is here with these five-fold ministry gifts. Our job is to be really listening to God. So that way we are specialists when it comes to what you need and what we need together collectively. Our job is to be able to see it and say, I'm not going to put you on this treadmill. I'm not going to allow you to go through this test. You need to, you need it. Everything stops now. Everything stops now. And you need to just be under my care. There's going to be a process. It's going to be a painful process. But you know what? You're going to be alive after this process. It's the process that we don't like. The reason we, most people, avoid ever getting involved in the church isn't just because of schedule, it's because of accountability. Accountability means other people are involved, and when other people are involved, that means we have to be responsible for our actions, for our words, for our, 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 the things that we do, and, and other people can speak into that. And we have to, over a process, we have, to, we have to remove some things. I'm not talking about just behavior modification, just removal of bad things. What they have to do is they have to replace this, what God placed to be there. But it became unhealthy over time. They had to remove this, and they took a vein from down here in my leg, and they, they took that, and they put it in place. And maybe it is that God is having to shift some things around in your life and remove things that you're like, Well, God, I thought you gave me that. God, that was meant to be. God, I thought that relationship was going to be Forever. And God has bigger insight. The great physician has bigger insight and says, yes, but if I allow that to stay there, even though it was meant to be there, that clogged situation, if I allow it to stay, it's going to kill you. So he takes something that you didn't even expect and grafts it in to return the flow. Maybe today, what you need is to get smaller. The church makes you smaller. It identifies the things that need to be removed from your life. And lastly, this is just a comment. The church makes you bigger. I had an iguana, Maria the iguana. She was in the house. She was in the house. She was a four-foot iguana. And uh, she had this heat rock that she would hang out in, in her little thing. And I had her in this aquarium thing. And I saw one day, I saw this giant iguana. And I was like, how did you get your iguana to grow so big? And they're like, well, what's she, what's she, what, what aquarium is she in? And they're like, you know, they, they grow based off of their surroundings. And he said, bring that iguana from its little aquarium into the house. Put its heat rock into the extra bathroom and allow it to have no no boundaries on it. And Maria grew, grew, grew a six-foot iguana. It was creepy. The further Maria went in the house, still needing to be associated with the heat lamp, still needed to be associated, but the further she went in the house the boundaries on her life were taken away and she was able to grow in a bigger way i moved gave maria to somebody told them the importance of maria being in the house with the heat rock they didn't listen they just wanted maria to shine out there maria was found dead outside mm-hmm. because maria was no longer in the house the fish was found on the carpet dead because the fi- now listen I'm not saying this is going to take your life. I'm talking about all the important things in your life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. God wants to give us life today. And how does he do that? He gathers us here together inside his house to hear his word, to remove the things and get smaller in ways we need to get smaller and then grow in ways we need to grow as our part being associated with God. Ask everyone in this room? This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.